Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will launch into our, well, actually, let me tell you how the day is going to go first, then I'll pray, and then I'll launch into it. Does that sound like a plan? Everybody okay with that? Slight adjustment. Uh, for Vision Sunday, I'm going to take a few minutes to teach and kind of set the table for sort of like this, the era that we're stepping into. We've just sort of watched as God has molded different seasons in us as a church, and so we're going to talk a little bit about this next season and what, where we see God taking us. Uh, and then Kristen's going to join me, and we're going to walk through how that is playing out in terms of uh, moments or events, things that we're going to do as a church. Uh, you've just heard over the last seven weeks, uh, really nine weeks, who we are as a church, and now we're going to share how that's playing out in the things that we do together. So we'll take some time and share about that, and then we're going to bring the whole elder team up, and we'll do some Q&A for a while. Uh, the way that we're doing Q&A, there will be a phone number that's up on the screen, all while I'm teaching, all while Kristen and I are sharing the, uh, the different moments that are coming up, and even while the Q&A is happening. If you have any questions, whether it's coming out of our This Is Anthem series or where you've heard about us going, what God's doing in us as a church, uh, you can text those questions in, and that gives us a chance to, to answer them. Just so you know, the reasons that we text is it allows us, if there are you know, five or six questions that are similar but worded different. Garrison gets the opportunity to kind of discern and lump those together and ask the question up on the screen, and we get a chance to interact with them. And so that way we can try and get to everybody's questions. Just to give you the heads up, if we don't get to your question, we do try and write up a response and have those available on the app uh, after the fact. So um, that'll be the last thing I say, and then I'll pray, I promise. We have an app, and it's important for today because if you don't have the app, uh, there, there's a thing on the app for Vision Sunday that you can click on and gives you a lot of the information that we'll be talking about. Uh, you open up the app and click the more section, and then it just says right there, Vision 2020, uh, or not Vision 2020, Vision Sunday, whatever it says, you'll know. It'll be obvious. You'll click it, and it takes you to a document. If you don't have uh, a smartphone or for some moral reason you refuse to download our app, there is a printed out paper copy of what's on there that you can grab on your way out at the info wall. So uh, feel free to grab that and follow along. Um, now, I'm going to pray and we'll dig into the scriptures, all right? Let's do it. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are and how you've shaped our story. Would you you please just open our eyes to see you. We want to see you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, you know, just to kind of start it off, uh, why don't we open up to Psalm 127, verse 1. I think it's a, a worthwhile place to, to start. So if you have your Bibles... Go to Psalm 127, verse 1. And uh, who's, got a, who's got a nice, loud reading voice that would stand up and read that for us? Anybody wanna, willing to stand up and read Psalm 127, verse 1 for us? It's like a sword drill. First one to stand up gets to read it. Who's on? Anybody? I'll, I'll call on somebody. Oh, yeah. Hey, there we go. Thanks, Holly. <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That's been a, a pretty key passage. And even as we go into a day where we're going to talk about what we see, what, what God is leading us into, where he's taking us, I just I want to reiterate and make sure that we are all holding in uh, our hearts that the goal, the objective is not simply to 
make a great calendar to try and get stuff out there that's going to be fun to do or exciting to do, our objective, our goal is Jesus. Because unless he's building it, then anything, any effort, any work that we do is done in vain. We want Jesus. That's our goal. And we want him to manifest in the things that we do and the way that we uh, carry out our life together as a church. So I just want that passage to be ringing through our minds today. I mentioned that uh, we kind of go in seasons as a church and we just try and see what the Lord has for us. We want to find that and sink our teeth into that and, and live that out as much as possible. And that's, that's our elder team. That's our, our lead team from our family of churches. And, and just the, the, the people that have really taken on leadership of Anthem Church, we want to seek where the Spirit of God is taking us and find that and bring that to the forefront. This is what we believe God is doing in us right now. And that's kind of what this short teaching is about, is sharing what we see God doing that we want to press into and we want to manifest in the things that we're doing this year. So that the whole idea is a theme of exile. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1 today. So I I know I've shared about Peter versus Paul before. Uh, they, They aren't in competition, but they do write differently. Uh, Paul's letters primarily go to specific churches or a couple of churches in an area. And you know that because at the end of his letters, he's like, oh, and say hi to Phoebe for me. And uh, don't, don't forget, Lydia's going to swing through and drop off some stuff on her way home. Like that kind of a thing. Or uh, to tell the guy to get my coat from Troas. I left it there. Like Paul's stuff is personal. He wants to make sure that, that people know and are known. Peter writes a little bit differently. He opens up his letter, says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, those are not even cities. So let alone like groups of churches, you know, they believe that Ephesus or Ephesians was written to a cluster of churches in Ephesus. These are like to Southern California or uh, Ventura County. These are like big areas with lots of people and multiple churches that Peter's writing to, and there's no specific greeting of any individual person. So it's much more of a generic kind of broad uh, sweeping letter that he's writing. And the way that we've talked about it before, just if, you know, it's, it's very Texan, but if you figure Paul uh, writes to a person, Peter's writing to all y'all. Right? That's kind of the way that Peter writes, is like, hey, to all y'all followers of Jesus. That's how that goes. How's my, how's my Texan? Chris, you feeling it? You doing it? Am I okay there? Okay, good. Just checking. Uh, so here's what he says. He says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, if you were a Jew, those words would make great sense to you in the first century. First of all, to be elect is to be chosen. It's this idea of being the people of God. And there's a sense with Israel of being the elect people of God, the chosen people of God. So that language is already familiar. The dispersion is also familiar. They are very aware of the fact that Israel, though it it has core in Jerusalem and the surrounding area, uh, Jews have been dispersed throughout the known world. It's where the whole idea of a synagogue came from, is that they were trying to create houses of worship out away from the temple because they had dis- been dispersed either by force or by choice all over the known world. And in that current era was the Roman Empire. Then this idea of exiles, also very familiar to Israel. 
They were aware of the idea of being in exile. In Israel's multiple thousand-year history, uh, they very seldom held their own sovereignty over a specific land. I know we, we think of Israel, we feel like it, it has a fixed land mass, but they've either been dispersed and held in exile in other nations or occupied by a different empire for most of their history. The majority of Israel's history has been either scattered or under somebody else's occupation. And so they don't have a great land identity, but they do have a spiritual identity as exiles. It's part of how they understand themselves. But the thing is, Peter's not writing to Jews. He's actually writing to all y'all. He's writing to Christians, Jew and Gentile. We see it throughout the letter that he's actually writing to both Jewish converts to following Jesus and Gentile converts to following Jesus. And that's important because he is importing language from Israel and applying it to followers of Jesus, Jew and Gentile, helping them understand something about their identity as Christians, as followers of Jesus. I want you to hear these identity markers. First of all, elect. You, as a follower of Jesus, are chosen, called. You have your name, your personhood is called and elected, chosen by God to be a part of his story. That means he knows you. He knows your gifts. He knows your story. He knows your frailty and your brokenness and your weakness. He knows your future. He has invited you and called you into this story. Peter is applying that language to every single follower of Jesus. You are the elect, the chosen. He talks about the dispersion because Christianity has exploded out of Israel and is now scattered all over the Roman Empire and beyond. Remember, the Ethiopian eunuch has gone down into Africa and started to share some of the gospel there as well. This story has expanded rapidly, way beyond the scope of how quickly things should spread in the first century. So there's a dispersion element to who they are physically, geographically, but when you pair it with this idea of being an exile, it takes on a new meaning. Okay, to be an exile, uh, if you think just to try and get a term in your mind, if you've all seen the movie The Count of Monte Cristo, it's a great film. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was exiled on the island of Cor Corsica, all right? So that idea of exile is like a forceful pushing out of somebody's land and oftentimes even think of imprisonment. But that word exile actually has a few different ways to understand it. Exile actually means transplanted out of your home and put somewhere else, either by force or by choice. But that your citizenship, your homeland, is somewhere else. And Peter is saying that about you and about me. That you are an exile of the dispersion wherever you are. See, some of the people that Peter was writing to, they were from Galatia, they were born in Galatia, they played soccer in Galatia, they grew up and went to the 7-Eleven on the corner of Galatian Boulevard and whatever. They, they knew Galatia, they had been there their whole lives, and he's saying, actually, even you are the dispersion. You're elect exiles of the dispersion, even though you are in your home. This is more an identity marker than anything. And so exile sort of has implications 
If that's a spiritual theme that, that picks up in the scriptures with the nation of Israel and then Peter imports it onto the lives of believers, it has implications. What that means is that wherever you live, as a follower of Jesus, you have identified that you're from somewhere else. That the place where you get your culture your worldview, your mindset, your language is not the land that you live in or the broader culture that you live in. It's actually from the kingdom of heaven. A theologian named Wayne Grudem puts it this way. He says the phrase chosen sojourners, that's uh, his interpretation of elect exiles. The phrase chosen sojourners thus becomes a two-word sermon to Peter's readers. <laughs> that could be a club, Peter's readers. Right, sorry, um, they are sojourners, not in an earthly sense. For many, no doubt, had lived in one city their whole lives, but spiritually, their true homeland is in heaven. Paul says that same thing in Philippians 3.20, that we're citizens of heaven. And any earthly residence, therefore, is temporary. Yet they are chosen sojourners, ones whom the king of the universe has chosen to be his own people, to benefit from his protection, and to inhabit his heavenly kingdom, and I'll just add, now and into eternity. See, sometimes we think of the kingdom of God and we're thinking future. When I get to heaven, I will be a citizen of the kingdom of God. The entirety of the scriptures are saying, actually, no, your citizenship transferred. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, your citizenship became of the kingdom of heaven. And then what did Jesus teach us to pray? Every single day, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the role of a believer is actually transferring your citizenship to heaven and then bringing as an ambassador, as an elect exile of the dispersion, the kingdom of God here to earth. The ethic and the mindset and the worldview and the heartbeat and the morality and the love and the peace of the kingdom of God is being brought into this world. You are an elect exile of the dispersion. Your home is elsewhere. So what that means is that we do things with a different purpose. Oftentimes the same things, the same things that the world might be doing, we do, but we do them with a different purpose. We work in this world. Paul told the Thessalonians to get to work. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you get to be lazy and wait for the second coming of Jesus. He says, no, wait for the second coming of Jesus. Anticipate it, but do it while you're working hard. There's this call to work, but to work with a different purpose. Work as unto the Lord. Your goal is not to make your boss happy, to make money, to uh, advance in your career. Your goal as an employee, as a worker, is to honor God with your diligence, with your thoroughness, with your relationships, with your faithfulness, with the things that you do with excellence. You are working as unto the Lord. We work with a different purpose. That's what it means to be an exile here. We get married or stay single with a different purpose. If you were with us when we went through 1 Corinthians, our most intimate relationships or the idea of not being married is done with a different purpose than that of the world. We occupy those places with the purpose of how am I living my life as a citizen of heaven here on earth? The person that I marry or the choice to not be married is done in the sense of fulfilling the purpose of what God has for me. We choose a location where we live 
not just based on, on the same factors that the world might choose. We, we go where the Lord puts us. The doors that he's opening, the places that he's inviting us into, we go locationally based on what the Lord is saying. We, we do that with a different purpose. We live in places with a different purpose. And finally, we build relationships with people for a different purpose. We're not just in this to fulfill our need to have social connection. We're actually in this to exude the presence of God into the lives of other people and to let them have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through our lives. So Peter challenges his readers in 1, 17 through 19. This is to the elect exiles of the dispersion to conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter's writing and he's saying, your life will look different. It'll look different than previous generations who did not know Jesus, and it'll look different than the world around you when they don't know Jesus. Being in exile does mean that there is distinction to who you are and how you live. So that theme of exile is just kind of looming over us. Here we are in a world that the culture would love to crash in on your life, on my life, on what the church is, on how we're supposed to live, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what our theology should be like, how we should spend our money. There are opinions in culture about all of that. Yet there's this call to distinction, to conduct ourselves differently throughout the time of your exile. I love that Peter uses that phrase because their time of their exile was not a specific go to this island until you're released. It's an idea of while you are here on earth, you conduct yourselves differently as a follower of Jesus. It changes the way you live when you live with a different purpose. So as we started preparing for this year and trying to think through this idea of exile and what does it look like for us to be citizens of heaven while living here on earth, there are a couple of books that we're going to teach through this year. I want to share with you just what the teaching is going to be so that you can prepare yourself and even look to understanding why we would choose these books and what they mean for you as a follower of Jesus. So starting next week, uh, we're going to be going into the book of Daniel. Uh, the book of Daniel is a very intriguing book because it's the physical manifestation of everything that Peter writes about. It's a human experiment in exile, holiness in a foreign land. Literally, the Babylonian Empire comes in. I don't want to preach the whole book right now, but they come in and they uproot thousands of Israelites and take them back to Babylon and make every attempt to indoctrinate them into the life and culture of a Babylonian person. And Daniel and some of his friends live a distinctly holy, fearful life in the midst of exile, and it's a living, breathing picture of what we're called into as followers of Jesus. So we're going to look at that book as a lived-out version of what it looks like for us to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. So that starts next week. We'll actually start next week in the book of Jeremiah uh, because Jeremiah is a prophet at the same time as Daniel. 
and speaks about the exiles that are happening, uh, or the exile that's happening in the book of Daniel. So we'll go Jeremiah, and then about 13 weeks, give or take, in the book of Daniel. I have the exact account on a Google Sheet, but I'm not going to tell you. Uh, So that's now, we'll take a little break for Easter, and that goes through about um, the end of May and maybe the first week of June. And then after that, we're going to go into a series, seven weeks in Proverbs in the summer. Now, here's the reason that we're choosing Proverbs, and here's the way that we're going to teach Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs, if you've ever read it, it just feels like a really wise guy kind of shooting from the hip, telling you all that. It's like going to dinner with Grandpa, and he just tells you all the different things about life that you need to know, and you're just trying to write down as fast as you can because you want to soak it up, but they're totally random and disconnected. That's Proverbs. It's not sequential, but it is important. And so the way that we're going to look at it is we're going to identify seven postures that the book of Proverbs is calling each person who honors God with their life to live out. How should you posture your life? And we'll find the different Proverbs that speak to that posture and we'll teach through those postures out of the book of Proverbs. And the reason for that is that the world wants to train you in a certain kind of wisdom. They want to teach you how to be human. And God has a very different approach to humanity than the world does. So we want to build our foundation on the wisdom of God. So we're going to look to Proverbs to try and build our lives off of the wisdom of God. So that's going to be seven weeks in the summer. Leading into mid-August, we're going to be going into the book of 1 Peter that I just shared the introduction with you. 1 Peter is essentially the spiritual outpouring of the book of Daniel. If you were to overlay 1 Peter and Daniel, it's like joy. It's so much fun. And it's it's great to see how the physical living out in Daniel mirrors the spiritual call of Peter, what he's inviting every believer to live out in our lives through the finished work of Jesus. So we're going to spend um, the rest of the year looking at 1 Peter right up until about the week before Christmas Eve. And that's uh, that's the teaching that we're going to be going through. Included in that is a break for Celebrate Generosity, like I said, a break for Easter, uh, maybe another break here or there, but that's the, that's the layout of the year. We believe that the teaching of the scriptures is important. It's a critical part of, of how we live out our faith and, and what happens on any given Sunday. And so I actually want to ask, I'm going to ask two people uh, who maybe even feel a particular passion for what I just shared that would be willing to stand up and just pray over our time in the scriptures this year. We believe the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We want the word of God in our lives. All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We need the word of God shaping us as a church and as individuals. So who'd be willing to stand up and pray over our time in the scriptures? All right, Mr. Glaze, number one. Anybody else? At least one more person is passionate. All right, thank you, Ann. Wonderful. All right, why don't you guys stand up and I'll have you each pray. We'll go ladies first. Ann, you're up, and then Ben Dave.
Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, I'm going to bring Kristen up here, and we're going to take some time, and we're going to walk through some of the, the key moments in this, in this next season of what we're going to be walking through. So welcome, Kristen. Hey, everybody. Morning. <laughs> All right, so um, we, we're going to spend about 10 or 15 minutes kind of walking through the rest of the year, key um, moments that we have as a team, um, our staff and elders and some of our other leaders kind of planned into the year to reinforce not only who we are as a church, but also where we believe God is taking us and where he wants us to press in for this year. But just thought it important to mention first that um, we really as a church have tried not to add too much programming to our normal I don't know, you called it like a drivetrain, <laughs> our normal engine of what we do, because the things that we have as our normal um, engine are so important to us. And those are Sunday gatherings, kind of meeting around the finished work of Jesus, around communion, and whatever else comes is great, teaching and worship, gathering together, not forsaking that. That is a, an engine of who we are as a church, um, that anything that, that God would build is built on the foundation of Jesus and, and his finished work. And then uh, secondly to that, we've always called it two halves of a whole, is community groups. And just that being our intentional discipleship and training and um, shepherding space. So if you are um, newer to the church, we just wanted you to hear specifically that those are what those are what drive us. And actually, we have community groups for adults, but we have also developed a student ministry, kids, and now young adults led by Garrison and Meredith um, to accomplish those same community discipleship aspects with those different ages. So if you get nothing else. We want you to know that those are those are the things that drive us, that really um, bring us to the feet of Jesus, that bring us to community with each other, and are those discipleship engines for us. Perfect. All right, so let's talk about the, the key moments in the year coming up that we would say we're building off of our regular rhythms and what we're doing, things to express our faith. So the first is coming up uh, April 5th through the 10th uh, is our fast and prayer tour. Uh, so last year, we felt prophetically like the Lord was moving us to fast together as a church, and we did a, um, an expression of that. It was kind of a rapid call to it. We, just, we felt an urge to that prior to Easter, and so we called the church to go without food and, and be a part of that with us uh, for that stretch. And this year, we, we actually want to be intentional about it. Rather than just waiting, we really feel like the Lord has established a rhythm that we want to press into. And so we're giving you more warning than we did last year. Um, so starting April 5th, we're going to meet here uh, in the evening for a family meeting. Uh, the second one, so we have March coming up, and then we'll have April 5th. We'll eat a meal together. That'll sort of be our last supper. See how that works? Kind of figurative, yeah. Uh, we'll have a last supper together, and then we'll, pr we'll step into a fast that will go through Friday evening, and then we'll break the fast together. Uh, we are inviting you into a food fast, like fasting from food for the week. We do understand that some people have limitations, either physiological, like your body can't handle a fast, or some of you for work feel like it would be highly unwise to do a food fast. And so really we want to encourage you, for those that have those struggles, towards the spirit of fasting for the sake of contending for things from God. We want to ask with great urgency, with great hunger, we want to long for the things of God, and going without food trains our bodies to feel something different, to long for the things of God. So we're going to fast together. 
And then throughout the week, we're doing a prayer tour. We learned this from going to Denver. It was amazing. Sunday night, we'll meet here in Thousand Oaks. Uh, we'll meet here, eat a meal together, and then uh, share a little bit about the city and some of the spiritual strongholds that exist in the city. And then we'll go out from here and go pray in the streets. We'll break up into groups and go pray in the streets. That same thing will happen Monday in Agora, Calabasas, Wednesday in Moore Park Simi, and Friday in Newbury Park. Each of those will meet together. We'll hear about the city, hear about its history, spiritual strongholds, and then we'll break up into groups and walk out and pray over those communities. And that's going to be a part of our fast and our prayer tour. We've been talking a ton about Easter and that heart of almost like tilling the ground in those communities really is the heart behind Easter this year is um, as we were sent out last year from Easter, it was with the charge of carrying contagious hope into hurting humanity. And as we were looking at um, just our our church and our communities this year and planning Easter, um, we looked at the places where we all live and work and go to school and send our kids to sports teams. And these four communities are where the bulk of our church family um, do life. And so as we're kind of dreaming of being exiles and being carriers of hope into these places, we wanted to express that tangibly in this multiplication of Easter. So that is a call for each one of you to be carriers of hope, to take those relationships, those spaces that you walk in, that God has sent you, God has called you, and and almost bring them to Jesus in this season to um, leverage the, the places and spaces that you're in to bring people back to him. Yeah. Uh, the next thing in May, first and second, is going to be our Anthem Summit. Uh, so Anthem Summit we've done each year as a time of focused, intentional, uh, equipping and disciple-making, gearing up for what's next. So we sort of take what I'm talking about today, this idea of exile, and we're going to go in on Friday night, May 1st, into all day Saturday on May 2nd. We're actually meeting at Newbury Park First Christian Church. Our family of churches will be getting together, Camarillo, Ventura, Denver, and us, to focus on the idea of what does it mean to have a holy discontent, like to, to be unsatisfied with the state of the world for the sake of the gospel, and then to move towards action from that holy discontent. So you'll hear from teachers, there will be time to process, like we'll actually have brainstorming times and sessions to like process the things that we're learning and working through. There will be worship times at lunch together. It's going to be a great time of preparing for everything that we're talking about today to kind of birth out of here and go into this community. In the summertime, we're actually doing something um, for the first time this year with our Genesis Collective, which is a collection of churches from around the world um, that, that Anthem, the Anthem churches are a part of. Uh, Matt and I are leading a, what do we call it? An International Young Leaders Summit. Sounds very important. <laughs> but actually, um, it's just a gathering of of the next generation of people. Um, we're meeting in Portugal this year because the people are traveling from four different continents and that seems to be in the middle of all of them. But um, we're meeting with a bunch of people there to kind of stir the next generation up for the nations, to make connections and relationships that hopefully will be the, the building blocks for 
decades of kingdom work into the nations. So the definition of a young leader summit is ages 16 to 36. We are outside of that age. So we get to be (laughs) mom and dad for the time. But Garrison and Meredith are leading a team from Anthem into that. If you are interested in being a part of that this year, if that you have like vision for for working into the nations, for seeing what God is doing on a global scale. We would love to invite you to come and be a part of that. You can talk to Garrison and Meredith about all the details. Registration will actually be up this week for that. And now is the best time to buy plane tickets because they are like half price of what they were last week. So take advantage of the global crisis and (laughs) go and buy plane tickets for that if you're interested. Yeah, beautiful. in the fall, we're going to be doing our next round of Porterbrook, but I want to tell you about it uh, now because I want to talk through why things are changing a little bit. If you've heard us talk about Porterbrook, basically it's a uh, curriculum that was developed by some theolog- theologians in uh, England. They wanted to bridge for the local church theology and mission as much as possible. How do we train up a robust theology in the local church, but not to where it becomes just knowledge for the sake of knowledge, Uh, theology that produces a missional heartbeat uh, and an approach to life that's going to carry the name of Jesus out. And so they developed Porterbrook. We brought that in about three years ago and have run through it a few different times. We've had a number of people in the church go through the first year and then just a few into the second year. Uh, It's a potentially a two-year program, but our hope was that everybody in the church would go through at least year one at some point in the near future. Uh, We did find a difficulty with both the time and financial commitment. And so we've given Ryan and Trisha a lot of freedom to rework Porterbrook, and they've come up with an approach to it uh, that's going to be done in about a third of the time and energy that's going to be put out for that, uh, much more accessible approach. But they've really refined what it is and given, I think, uh, an opportunity for you to be trained theologically and missionally uh, with great intentionality, uh, without quite as steep of a commitment going into the year. So if you've heard us talk about Porterbrook and you're very interested but haven't been able to, this is a great year to step in. If you've never heard us talk about Porterbrook, there will be days where we talk about it going through the summer and invite you to consider being a part of it for the fall. It really is kind of like a next step if you're looking for more theological training to understand what we believe and how to live it out. During the summer, we also take a break from our community groups um, over that 10 weeks. And last year, we tried something that we're going to repeat this year called summer school. Um, So in that break of community groups, we just wanted to take the opportunity to speak into some more specific areas of growth and discipleship. And we have people from all around the church who are going to teach different classes. It'll be during the week in the evenings, um, starting July 13th and going for six weeks. And one of those classes will actually be um, like a one of the modules from Porterbrook. So if Porterbrook sounds like something that you are interested in, that'd be a great spot to jump in and just see for six weeks kind of the the heart behind it and you'll get a really good picture of what it is as a curriculum altogether. Yeah. Uh, October 14 through 16, uh, Anthem Church, we get a chance to play host to some of those same internationals that will be going to Portugal uh, or at least some of the churches that'll be represented there. Uh, We're hosting another gathering in October here in Malibu. We put that in quotes because it's in the canyon between Calabasas and Malibu, and Malibu sounds a lot better than Calabasas, especially to people from other countries, just throwing that out there. 
Although now that uh, Kanye in Calabasas, it kind of has a little more flair to it, but still, yeah, Malibu's better. Um, so we're, we're hosting this gathering. We've been a part of it for seven years running, and each year Anthem has taken on increased responsibility and uh, an opportunity to host. And this year we want to take it on fully in the sense that um, two parts. Number one, we, uh, we will be asking those of you that have homes and maybe vehicles available to host international friends, people that are coming in from other countries that might be willing to put them up in your house for a few days or let them borrow your car for a few days because typically they will come before and after the gathering. Uh, some will be ministering into churches around Southern California on the two Sundays, the one before and the one after. So that's a, that's a great opportunity. The second part of it, though, is that you are invited to be a part of that that weekend, or it's actually more of a midweek, which I understand is difficult for a lot of you uh, from a work situation, but we just wanted to express, like, this is a great opportunity for anybody that's feeling stirred to, to take a next step into more of your service for Jesus. Like, what does it look like for me to, uh, to raise my hand and, and say, like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. What do you have for me, Lord? Moments like those are, they're both inspirational, but they're also a time of equipping and preparing you for what that would look like to say yes. So if that's something that it might stir in you, we want to give you those dates well in advance and encourage you uh, to be a part of that time. And if you're not able to be a part of the time or even interested, that you still might consider raising your hand to be a part of helping us host that time. It's going to be a great thing. About the same time in October will be our Celebrate Generosity season, which um, has been kind of a a rock in the water of Anthem Church since the beginning of Anthem. And just as we're looking at life in exile, this has always felt like one of the things that sets us apart um, from the way that the world lives. It releases our hands and our control um, to God rather than to things. Um, it makes it very clear that we are about more than just um, ourselves, but that we are about what God is doing around the world. And that we want that to continue to be a part of our heartbeat is to be people of generosity, that that would show something to our community and to the world about who God is. So we're really excited to press in more and more to that this year as well. So those are, those are things that are kind of the expression of what it means to be Anthem Church this year. Uh, the more we talk about this idea of exile, honestly, the more it kind of stirs us to a little bit of discomfort. Uh, and that's something that we want to start to embrace is that that unease or like I shared about the summit, that holy discontent, that uh, that sense of uh, some writers have called it cognitive dissonance. Like, OK, things aren't right. How do I contribute to the kingdom of God making things right in this world? We want to walk into that and even press into that uh, full force. So uh, that's our, our hope for this year, and we hope that these key moments are expressions of that heartbeat. And we wanted to give you a little bit of the why behind the what. So when you hear those announcements or invitations, you have some framework for what it is that we're inviting you into and why we would hope that you'd be a part of it or contributing in some way or being a part financially with us as a church as we press forward together. So I'm going to invite the elder team to come up. We've gotten a few questions that have come in, and we'll start the process of answering that. So why don't you guys come on up? And you can continue to ask uh, whatever questions you might have. Just text them in. Um, you hear my voice a ton, so I'm going to uh, primarily look to the remaining elder team for answering these questions. I'm going to do a quick introduction just so that you know. Uh, over here, 
Actually, he's not here right now. Uh, Ellery Sugarman. Ellery and Lahana went down to Anthem Camarillo today uh, as one of their great friends' babies is being dedicated down there. It's a celebration day. So he was here for 9 a.m., but not for uh, the 11 a.m. Uh, here we have Ryan and Tricia. Uh, you know Kristen. This is Ahmad. His wife Ashley is in Boston right now. Uh, it's a very temporary thing, right? She's coming back soon? Uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday, okay, good. Yeah, all right, cool. And then Brian and uh, his wife Amanda. Uh, yes, imagine it. Nap time. Nap time. <laughs> for the uh, child or for the... Okay, got it. <laughs> she is pregnant, so it counts if she just wants to just put her feet up, man. It's no problem. All right, so Garrison's going to filter questions up onto the screen, and we will take some time to answer them. So uh, question number one. Any suggestions on how to include kids in the fast or the prayer tour? Uh, Brian, you want to take it? My wife did so well in the first service, I'll just kind of repeat what she said. Um, so I think there's a couple things to keep in mind when it comes time for this, uh, the fast and the prayer tour. And I'll, I'll go in actually backwards order. For the prayer tour, I would say definitely bring kids. Um, don't shy away from kind of that family dynamic of the prayer tour. Don't also carry weight that you have to be at like every night and for all the hours. Um, we have a two-year-old, and so we're going to manage that well uh, and do what we can. But there's something about the kids being a part of the life of the church and kind of the heartbeat of the church in that way. Uh, totally, absolutely do it. Uh, our little girl was, I think, six, uh, a year or something like that. And my wife went out to the Denver prayer tour and just kind of like strapped her on and walked around Denver with her. I was not there. But uh we totally welcome that. It's amazing. It, it allows just, uh, yeah, kind of the glue of the family uh, to just, uh, yeah, really be solidified. In terms of the fast, um, it's going to be in, uh, specific to your guys' situations, obviously, depending. You guys know your children well. Um, we're probably not calling, you know, your young kids to go fast for four and a half days with no food. Um, but there may be some really neat opportunities there from related to food maybe it's a meal that they skip or maybe a meal a meal that's just simplified for them and there's an opportunity to talk about what that looks like uh maybe it has nothing to do with food but for for your children specifically there's a chance to maybe step into like a media fast in some way or depending on their age like a social media fast uh phone fast you know things of that nature so um so much of it is not about being legalistic with what it looks like and making sure all the boxes are checked, but really about, once again, that heartbeat and walking the kids through that and, and explain to them why you're kind of explaining it to them and also why maybe you guys yourselves are, are doing certain things. Sweet. Thanks, Brad. Next up, how does Anthem Leadership decide which trips to go on and are these trips included in the annual budget? It's uh, a great question. Ahmad, why don't you take it? Yeah, hit it, bud. I'll let Ryan take it. <laughs> Okay, so there's a lot of the words that are out there could, could mean different things, so I'm just going to go with my, my take on them. So, uh, are these trips included in the annual budget? Uh, some of the trips are included in the budget. We think that it's, it's important for uh, some of the leaders, specifically Matt and Kristen and, and others of us, to get out of our local context. So whether that's a trip to go support Josh and Court in Denver, or uh, the Istanbul trip that they just went on, things like that. Uh, we think that that's money really well spent. Uh, it really reinforces the things that we think are important to us as a church. Uh, and so we think that it's important to fund some of those things. So uh, 
that's the annual budget portion of it is, is those sorts of trips. Um, how does Anthem leadership, use my good eye, what does Anthem leadership decide which missions trips to go on? Uh, we got to get you a patch, man. <laughs> I hurt my eye last year. It's okay though. Um, how do we decide which missions trips to go on? Uh, that's a good question. We actually talked a fair amount about that at the last family meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have the recording of those things. Uh, the Q and A times are usually pretty hard to do recordings of because we don't give every single person a microphone. Um, but the answer to that question is that we're working on the answer to that question. Uh, there, there's trips that we know that we're a part of because of Genesis Collective. There's trips that we want to be a part of because people that we are really close to and we have a high degree of trust in uh, come to us with those opportunities. But we know that those trips don't encompass all of the different opportunities that exist throughout the year. Uh, and so we want to have a better uh, filter for the different trips that, that we're invested in uh, moving forward. Cool. All right. Next up. Uh, how do you see growth this year in inviting and experiencing the presence? Is that what's up there? Yeah, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship gatherings, and what do you think that might look like? Kristen, I'm on. You guys want to take that? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, that is a broad question. Um, I'll take part of that. Oh, hey, there we go. Uh, the first word that came up for me was being uncomfortable. I think um, in the 10 plus years of Ryan and I being a part of Anthem and seeing where the Spirit has grown and directed and shaped our church, I love comfort. I love patterns. I love predictable things. And the journey that God has called us on together through leadership with Anthem Church and being a part of this church body is none of that. Um, and to see that that's not God just gifting me with everything opposite than what my heart desires, but really um, changing me, stretching me, allowing me to experience more of his spirit where that's not planned and that I do need to listen to his voice. I don't have the whole rubric for where it's going to go. And um, for me, I... I think being uncomfortable has allowed me to see the spirit move um, in the Malibu time that we've had each year in October. Um, I felt the spirit move me to dance as a part of worship. And I have been a dancer since I was three years old and kind of separated that from my way of worshiping God. But um, I would have never like joined the two in for me, having people come up to me later and saying like, I felt closer to the spirit because you were open to where he wanted you to move. Um, that was how I experienced more of his presence. And so if you're kind of like, do I put my hands up in this? Like everyone kind of has that internal monologue of like, should I do it? Thinking about your neighbor. But I think we should be a place where we can experiment that together and see where the spirit can move us. And if that's a physical posture or if you have a word for someone to be able to walk across the church room and share that with them or pray for them and then just say like, weigh this with the elders or um, other believers around you if this is a word that really um, settles on your heart. So um, be uncomfortable. Crush it. Thanks. <laughs> All right, next up. Uh, can you explain more about the Genesis Collective? You want to take that one? I can take that one. Yeah. Um, Genesis Collective is is a pretty new story that has deep roots relationally. So um, a couple years ago, um, some friends that we have been walking with for the last 
decade, um, decided to actually pool our efforts to to church plant into the nations. So we talk about three spaces, kind of the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, Here would be our Jerusalem, Thousand Oaks. Uh, Samaria would be, you know, maybe LA or somewhere cross-culturally. And the ends of the earth, that space is where Genesis Collective works together, is church planting into the ends of the earth. So when you, it will always be out there somewhere. (laughs) So we talk about, just kind of what new frontiers God wants us to collectively pool our resources and work into. So while it's a new story, it feels like God has already take, like joined our hearts together relationally and taking us to these different spaces. You heard us last year, just last week, last year, talk about Turkey. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, but just kind of the that ends of the earth space. But I think the important part is built on relationship. We don't want it to be a... Um, system or a program or anything like that, but we've seen um, through these relationships how far we can go together, and we want that to be a part of our story to the nations. So, Got time for probably two more, so we'll see what's up next. If I'm a new volunteer, what are, or if I'm new, what are ways I can volunteer? Yeah. Uh, there are many ways to volunteer. Um, <clears throat> so we have different things. We have Anthem Kids, students. We have First Impressions. Uh, and so... With that, uh, Emily's not here, but Emily Kirk, she runs our first impressions. Uh, Christy Martino, she runs Anthem Kids, and Phil uh, Zook, and there's Caleb, right hand. Uh, they, they are in charge of students. So um, we need help in all those areas, teaching students, uh, kids. Every week we have a lot of kids, right? So we need a lot of teachers, uh, and just help out with that, and then also just you know, running coffee, um, you know, greeting people, ushering. There's all kinds of ways that you can serve on a Sunday. Uh, with kids and students, there is a background check process to go through, but to serve coffee, you do not have to do that. <laughs> we do for the quality of coffee, but not for the, like, you know, issues of, yeah, yeah just kidding. What would be a best step? To talk one of, to one of those people, um, yeah. They or, don't know who they are, so do you. Okay, one, one thing just real quick. On the app, again, I'll advertise the app. Uh, if you just click join a serve team, it says learn oh. more. Uh, there's a great, Technology. easy way to just kind of go and find out everything you need to know about each of the teams, the who's who, the how to get connected. So if you are new yes. and you want to volunteer, honestly, I know we're not just trying to sell an app. It is free, and there's no advertising on it. We get nothing from it. It's for your benefit. Um, but there's, that's probably the easiest way to go about that. Totally. Okay, last one. Any idea what classes will be offered in summer school? How can I sign up? Uh, So I think Matt and Kristen mentioned earlier that we wanted to get info on summer school to you guys as soon as possible. Uh, We know that that was something that we didn't do great last year. I think we gave everybody like three weeks notice to sign up for a six week long class in the middle of summer. So we're trying. Uh, I would say that we're 98% there on most of the classes. And so I'm going to give you guys info, but just know that there's a asterisk at the end of it, uh, that if it doesn't end up being on the app in the next like two weeks or so, uh, it's because that person had to back out. But I'm going to give you the details anyways. So, um, and also we're trying to land on like five or six classes. I think right now we have eight. So uh, one of the classes that we're going to offer is called Your Money and Generosity. 
Another one is Stephen Connie. This is one that is 100% confirmed. Well, as 100% as you can get with Stephen Connie. Uh, Unless they're in Liberia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're going to do a three-week-long class on marriage, and then they're going to do it again. And so if you know that you're going to miss one of those two times or you're on vacation, you could pick one of the other ones. Or you're a you. slow learner, and you just want to stack and do it twice. Yep. Uh, and then also... Uh, they mentioned that we we want to take one of the courses that Porterbrook offers and and open that up to everybody. Uh, it's a good way to get familiar with what Porterbrook is uh, and see even if you're interested in stepping into the whole full school year long curriculum that we're going to be offering in the fall. Um, next one is that about a year ago, uh, Preston Sprinkle came out and did a talk on how the church can respond to uh, the conversation of same-sex attraction with grace and humility and understanding and and biblical knowledge. Uh, one of the ways that we want to follow up with that is by going through their small group curriculum that's called Grace and Truth. Matt and Kristen are going to be hosting that. Uh, so that's going to be one of the ones that's going to be offered. Uh, Danae Mock did a great job giving a, a survey of the Old Testament last year. And so uh, we've been chatting with her about doing that again. Um, and then uh, it's two called more. Six Weeks to Sinai. It's going to be a great court. Oh. No? Okay. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Just brainstorming. Just you know, spitballing. We'll, we'll see it. We'll workshop it. Yeah. Uh, then uh, there's a, a guy named Drew is going to be interested. Whoa, I said that weird. Drew Blaisdell yeah. is interested in teaching through. Uh, Some guy named Drew. Yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to give him room because I haven't actually like told him I'm going to tell people about it. Uh, <laughs> So Drew is interested in teaching through Hebrews. Uh, so that'll be really neat. And then uh, Garrison and I have been chatting about doing a six-week talk on the principles of preaching. So if you're somebody who's interested in growing as a preacher or even you're interested in just seeing what it takes to put together a message for a Sunday morning, uh, I feel like that'll be a really neat class uh, for you to be a part of. That's it. Great. <laughs> oh, and uh, all of that will also be on the app, that's where you can register for that. You could register at some point soon for the summit and so many of the other things that we're talking about. The app, there's a calendar on there. That's how you do it. Uh, there's one question that came in that I just, I thought would be good for a little bit of like kind of the closure side of things, not closure, but just, it was a good question. It said a few months ago, you mentioned that Anthem students will be more student led. What would that look like this year? Um, I just, uh, I, I love that question because it, A, it just kind of rings, something rang in your mind, like student-led student ministry. And that would be the heartbeat, honestly, is that, that the students would be raising up to lead for their generation, for the next generation. And it's in full progress between worship teams, student leadership, teaching, uh, planning events. The students are actively involved in all of those elements. So one of Phil and Jackie's goals is to raise up a staff team of adults that can oversee and facilitate and even bring counseling and like encouragement, but that they are all collectively focused on raising up the students to bring leadership and planning and uh, even how to reach their, um, their friends. Uh, this could be risky because it could be none of you, but how many of you guys are in student leadership? Would you stand up if you're in student leadership? Yeah? Uh, all right, cool. Hey, give it up for student leaders, yeah. So these guys are meeting and working to, to help facilitate more of the student ministry, and that's growing and, and seeing more of that happening. So we just thought we'd answer that question as well. All right. Uh, you guys can grab a seat. And uh, next up, 
just wanted to take a moment to kind of bring it back. Oh, by the way, if just so that you know, our elder team, uh, the way that they, they would love to interact with you. We never want them to feel distant. Part of even the reason for bringing them up is to give you a chance to get to know who the elders are, get to know who their wives are, like see the, the, the faces because we don't want them to feel unapproachable. Uh, if you run into them at the Cafe Rio opening and you want to ask them questions about the church, like, that's okay. It's fine. You can do that. We want that kind of relationship and, and want to encourage more of that. Um, I mentioned at the beginning, sort of, unless the Lord builds the house, or I guess the scriptures mention it. I did not mention it. The scriptures mention in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, the worker labors in vain. And we want to be building a house that is built on the finished work of Jesus. Our response time uh, every Sunday goes pretty much the same way. We'll sing worship songs, we take communion, we have offering, and we have prayer ministry. I just want to give you that 30-second snapshot of why that's so important. Uh, we want from the Word of God a reaction to be able to take place. That as we hear God's Word preached, it leads us to sing, it leads us to worship. And those songs, the, the teams that lead up here, uh, they, they have a deep heart for connecting the message and the songs that we sing so that there's a sense of like teaching that continues even as you're humming and singing those songs as you go out of here. We want that. We want that to be memorable. Uh, we do offering every single week. We believe that part of the story is actually being financially uh, partnered with the church, that, that what God invites us into is a life of generosity that, um, that cares for the needs of the local church and beyond. And so we invite you to be regularly giving a part of that. Uh, it's important to us, and we continue to cast vision for life as a giver. Uh, and so if that's not a part of your story, we want to encourage you to start and encourage you to see what it is that the Lord might invite you into as a part of uh, this story financially. Uh, we bring our prayer teams up, and they come here to, to minister and pray. They've been trained. Dave and Jen, we're doing a great job training and encouraging prayers to connect the, the Spirit of God with, uh, with where you are, your heart, your needs, the struggles that you're going through. They want to pray over that and bless that and encourage you. So anything that you have need for, that team is ready to, uh, to minister to you. Just as we sing, as we respond, we want prayer to be a huge part of that. Um, and then finally, communion. And I bring that last because it is ultimately, I would say, the reason that we gather together is to center on the finished work of Jesus. More than the sermon, more than the worship, more than the giving, more than anything else that happens here on a Sunday, Jesus' finished work is why we come together. His body given up for us, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. So to center our gathering on communion is a critical part of what we do that's why we do it every single week is we don't want those who follow Jesus to walk out of here without that regular reminder of all that Christ has done uh, to present you to the Father. So communion is a huge part of our story. And we do encourage you to, to take part in that. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's, it's a key part of your expression of faith. So I'm going to bring the worship team up. I'm going to take a moment and pray over our response time. Uh, let's lift up the name of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Uh, unless you are building this year, it is uh, a vain-filled effort. It is empty. And Jesus, we, we don't want uh, Anthem Church without Jesus. That would be uh, awful. That would be the worst-case scenario. This church exists for you and by you. We come together in your name. 
We lift up your name. We, the, the counseling that we bring is, is in your name. Your gospel, your good news brings transformation to life. Jesus, we want you to be at the center of all that we do and believe and think. So Jesus, would you be glorified in our worship, in our giving, in our communion, in our prayer, in our teaching, uh, in Anthem Kids and students and young adults and our community life? Would, would you be honored and glorified in every facet of who we are as a church? We love you, Jesus, and praise you in your name. Amen.